Hello, everyone. Welcome to this very special episode of Make Believe Heroes. I want to get right into it, but before I do, I did just want to mention up front, we're a family-friendly show, and we try to keep it clean for all ages. We really take a lot of pride in that, and I know a lot of our listeners appreciate that. So it, because of that, I wanted to give a little bit of a notice. There's nothing like rough language or anything like that in this episode. We never include things like that in our show ever. That being said, I was listening through the episode, and I felt a little bit impressed to give just a slight content warning about a scene coming up in this episode toward the end that's a little spooky, pretty serious, uh, pretty violent. And if you have any small children, you know, I would say it's probably a PG-13 type violence scene. Nothing risque, just it could definitely be a little spooky for younger kids. So if you listen with your kids and you're getting around that 50-minute mark-ish, just keep an eye out for that, okay? Hope that helps. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get right into it. It's a cool autumn day in the city of Brightport. The city is alive with movement as its citizens go about their daily routines, bustling about from place to place. It's a hopping town, Brightport, where the gold flows like the Kalen River. A few blocks from the docks, the fishermen are working hard to set up the fish market for the day. At the center of town, children are playing in the giant fountain built around an enormous statue in the likeness of Privalian, the goddess of the sea. Her multicolored scallop hung around her neck. To the average passerby, it would seem like a typical sunny but cool sort of day. However, if you were to walk along Cedar Street at just about noon, you would hear a strange sort of sound coming from a dark alley off to the right. As denizens of Brightport gather just up the street at the Sweet Roll Bakery for a tasty lunch, the air in this dark alley stood still. Then, there came a sort of humming noise. Dust on the stone streets began to vibrate just an inch off the ground as this humming increased, as if a storm were brewing right here in this small little street. And then, with a crack of thunder, a dark bolt appears in midair. Debris hangs suspended all around this dark alley as, out from this bolt of darkness steps, a girl. She stumbles into the stone alleyway. Her black hair is sticking out in multiple directions as this tear in space closes with a crack. Her dark hair falls onto her shoulders once again, her face and horns now clearly visible. Dressed in very nice leathers, she breathes in the autumn air, taken aback by the sort of stench of this place. Disoriented and somewhat apprehensive, she takes in her surroundings. Most things are shrouded in darkness down this alley, but she is drawn off to one end where she sees as people pass by, heading from one place or another. She sneaks forward a bit to get a better look. A tall figure walks by, covered in blue scales and armored to the teeth. A very short woman walks by with green hair holding the hand of her even smaller daughter. Then a human steps across the entrance of her alley. Her long blonde hair and seasonal orange dress flowing lightly in the wind. 
The strange horned figure is taken aback by her beauty. She barely has time to register all that she's seeing for the first time. Without even realizing it, the visage of this horned woman changes, mimicking that blonde hair and those blue eyes of the passerby, her leathers shifting into a flowing orange dress. Apprehensive, she steps out of the darkness for the first time, and she's almost trampled by three young halflings as they bolt past her alley. The last one almost runs into her headlong, but at the last second he skirts around her as the one in the front yells out, Come on, hurry, it's about to start. She feels a strange new excitement well up inside. In spite of her fearful hesitation, her curiosity is spiked at those words. She has no idea what it is that's about to start, but as she turns and begins to run, chasing after those three halflings, one thing is for certain. She is about to find out. You're listening to Make Believe Heroes, the origin of Misk Isolda, tiefling, bard, and princess of the Nine Hells. So you might be wondering how I got here. That weird humming portal thing I just stepped out of, that was a gate to the Nine Hills. I know it sounds bad, but well, no, actually, yeah, it's bad. Don't go there. (laughs) But that's not the point of the story. This story is actually about me. You could call me Misk. That girl you see there following these kids through Brightport? Yeah, that's me. Imagine being born into a world, but like already being an adult. That's basically what it was like, stepping into the natural plane. But I had to get away from that place, from my father. You might be thinking, what could make a princess leave her castle for the natural plane? Well, let's just say you don't know King Serastus. I don't want to get into all of it right now. Let's just say that he was a king first and a father second. Between corruption, endless war, and bogus arranged marriages, I just couldn't deal anymore. So I left, quickly. I didn't even say goodbye to my brother Saul. Sure, that was hard. We were very close. But my father gave me no choice. Saul will understand, in time. Misk ran as fast as she could to keep up with the boys, but she stayed back just enough so they wouldn't see her. In spite of the fact that she was new to this realm, she was no stranger to sneaking. Running for a few minutes, they came upon a small building, almost abandoned looking, with boards over the windows. The boys tucked under a rope, bolting down an alley, and then heading into a narrow, hidden door. Misk waited just a moment, checked her surroundings, and quickly followed them through the door. Inside, it was a dark, smoky hallway, leading forward and then down a set of steps. As she's descending the staircase, she can hear the sound of yells and clapping and laughing. Finally, the staircase led into another hallway that opened up into a large open room. 
There was a boisterous crowd cheering and screaming and an announcer yelling for bets and making this crowd go crazy. Hit him! Come on, I thought, I thought you were better than that. Looks like this guy's going down again. Misk makes her way through the crowd just to get a better look. In the very center of this large underground room is a sort of ring roped off in the shape of an octagon. Inside this ring, a tall half-orc with two large tusks jutting upward from his underbite has a square-nosed man around the neck choking him out on the floor of this ring. The crowd cheers and the announcer goes on. Ooh, I don't see how he's gonna get out of this one. Misk makes her way through the crowd trying to get closer to see why are they fighting? What's going on here? Halflings are running around collecting their winnings. But just then, the fight takes a gruesome turn as the square-nosed man flips over, grabbing the arm of that half-orc and breaking it across his shoulder. It was like something you'd see on a battlefield. Ooh. Well, there you have it, folks. It looks like we have our winner. Be sure to collect your winnings and pay up your debts. Our collectors will be making their rounds, and we'll be getting ready for our next fight in just a few minutes, so don't go anywhere. The crowd cheers for their champion, with a few looking upset at the money they just lost on the bets. For reasons she didn't really understand, Misk's blood was pumping. She was excited, caught up in the fervor of this crowd. Looking around, taking in her surroundings, she saw men, women, halflings, humans, dragonborn, elves, dwarves, people of all kinds, from all walks of life, except she didn't see a single tiefling in this room. It was already a struggle to cope with this new body, this new existence leaving behind all of her power, but she expected that. Already reeling from having left behind her previous form, her powers, her magic, this new form, this tiefling existence was fresh to her, but she became even more apprehensive at the knowledge that she didn't see a single other person like her in this room. Surely in a group this large, there had to be others, right? Misk steps out of the bustling crowd as they're pushing toward the halflings, collecting their winnings or settling their debts. She found her way up against the wall where there are a number of tables and chairs. People were beginning to sit down again. Halfling waiters and waitresses went to and fro, bringing drinks and food to paying customers. Misk found a seat, looking around, taking in all of her surroundings with excitement, but also apprehension. What is this place? A club for fighting? In the Nine Hills, you didn't fight for sport. You fought for power. And if you lost, well, I never lost, so I can't really relate to that. But... You never let an enemy walk. It was victory or death. Lost in her thoughts, she didn't notice as a halfling approached her table and took a seat. I'm sorry, do you mind if I sit here? He said, startling her out of her memories. Um, sure, you can, you can sit here. Forgive me, I wasn't trying to startle you. Are you alright? Oh, oh yeah, I'm great. I'm, I'm, I am perfectly fine. Mm, that's good to hear he said with a grin, looking at this halfling now for the first time, an older halfling with grayed hair. He was somewhat handsome, but his looks were marred by the presence of a scar across his face coming down from his eye, pulling the corner of his mouth up in a sort of permanent snarl. 
If you don't mind my asking, what is a beautiful woman such as yourself doing down in a place like this? The same thing everyone else is doing, just watching, watching this fight. Of course. Is this your first visit? Um... I mean, I... Yeah, yeah, it is. I thought so, he said, signaling to one of the waiters for a drink. Do you enjoy fights like this, miss? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. What is your name again? My, my name's Misk. Misk. What a lovely name. I mean, I, I like a good fight here and there, you know. I yes. mean, I'd rather watch other people instead, but, I mean, yeah. I wasn't asking if you like to fight. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. What is this place? This is our secret fight club, you could say. Oh, so you, you own this place? In a manner of speaking, it's not my very own, but I do help manage it, take care of it, if you will. W what's your name again? Mm, you can call me Shiv. Shiv? Yes. That's an odd name. Yes, well, it's not my given name by any means, but sometimes in this business, you don't always get to choose what you're known for. Right. Sometimes the people that you work for, or the people with whom you work, will give you a sort of name. And let me just say, I earned this one. As he says that, he pulls his vest back to show two daggers hanging right on his side. Oh, um, I'm sure you have. Who's that man up there orchestrating these fights? Oh, he's just one of our announcers. That looks like, that looks like fun. Yes? Yeah, I feel like I could really do that. Is that so? Yeah, but I was just, you know, it looks cool. Looks like there's a lot of people interested in this place. Why? Why are they so interested? Do they just like watching people get their arms broke? Well, not every fight ends in such an ugly manner, but... Yes, people do like to see a good fight. Uh, but between the two of us... What we're doing down here isn't strictly legal, so perhaps you could keep it to yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really have anybody to tell, but... Uh, no family to speak of? Oh, I mean, I, I do have family. I just, I mean, uh, Not yeah. from around here. Not from, yeah, exactly. Not from around here. At this point, one of the halflings approaches, and he sits a stout drink down for the shiv. Would you like a drink? Maybe something to eat? Misk? Sure. I'm I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> we'll have some of the roast chicken, if you will. Thank you. And the waiter nods his head and turns heading off toward the back. So, Misk, you're not from around here. You're a stranger to this sort of entertainment, which, let's be honest, isn't that uncommon. What brings you to Brightport? Oh, you know, I'm just uh, looking for... Uh, looking for a fresh start, yeah. Ah, well, Like new scenery, you know. I understand. Brightport is the fastest growing city in all of Manumi. And, of course, the wealthiest, he says with a smirk. Wealthiest? Is that supposed to mean something? Yes, if you're looking to make some gold, there's no better place to do it than in Brightport. Hmm. Is that some kind of food? Gold? No, gold isn't food, it's... It's what makes all of this possible. It's what, what pays for this. The goods, the food, the services, the drinks, everything. The fights. 
Where did you say you were from again? Uh, pretty far away. You probably went in another place. Uh, so it's not food. My dear, gold is everything. It's food, clothing, influence, power. I know power. I see, of course. As they say, money is power. And that's what this is all about, he says, signaling to the big open room. You see still the halflings with collection buckets going around, taking gold, uh, handing it out and taking it in, placing their bets. You could say that this fight club is our own little gold mine. We are raking it in hand over fist. Well, uh, I don't think I have any of this gold. Really? You don't have any money? I mean, I got some clothes right now, you know, like this dress. Um, and this food you just gave me, that's, you know, that's gold. Look the, at this gold I got. Look, let me... Probably let got me, more gold than everyone in here. Here, let me show you. And the shiv pulls out his money purse and he hands you five gold pieces. This gold is the currency that we use here in Brightport, and I thought it was the same everywhere in Manumi, but apparently not in whatever backwoods place you're from, Misk. I'm afraid you're going to need some gold if you plan on staying in Brightport. You need it to live. I'll tell you what, Misk. Why don't you stick around here for a while? You gonna give me more gold? Perhaps. You stick around, Misk. Here soon the fights will be over, and we'll need some help with a few small things. Some cleaning up, perhaps. Ew. I mean, yeah. We could use some help, maybe collecting the gold from all the bets that were placed. Would that work for you, Misk? Yeah, that works. The Shiv stands up, wiping his mouth with a napkin and lying it on top of his leftovers. If you'll excuse me, I have a few things to attend to. I do have to run this place. You just stick around, Misk, and soon I'll send someone over to give you some instructions of how you can help. Whether that is cleaning up, collecting gold, or whatever it is that they tell you to do. It was nice meeting you, Misk. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think I like you, Misk. Well, that's good. I mean, you just gave me all this gold. <laughs> I suppose I did. Don't spend it all in one place. And he turns on his foot and heads back into the crowd. Misk looks around, a little confused, but excited. After a few moments, one of the halfling waiters comes to her and tells her that she's supposed to start helping clean up. He tells her to throw away leftover food and collect dishes and things like that. She walks up to a table where a young man and woman are sitting, eating a freshly brought plate of food. She grabs their plates, going to throw them away. Uh, miss, I I'm not done with that. No, I gotta collect the gold. Uh, th that's, that's, that's my... F nope, I just, I know what gold is. Don't act like I don't know what gold is. Staring on at her confusedly, they just watch as she walks away, dumping the chicken into some of the collection pots. The night continues and Misk learns more about what exactly gold is and how things work in this fight club. The night ends, the shiv's nowhere to be found, and everyone leaves once they've cleaned up. They give her a little more gold to go in her pocket, along with a little purse to keep it in. Misk, excited about this new thing she's discovered, this new place that she's found, returns up the staircase, back out onto the street. She's almost sure that it was very bright earlier, but now it's harder to see. She can still see fine, but it's, it's different. 
she makes her way back in the direction where she first arrived on the natural plane. And she finds that little dark alley. Down alongside the wall, shoved into the dirty ground, is an old piece of cloth, looked like maybe a tablecloth that had been tossed out. She finds it, she leans against the wall, and pulls the cloth over herself. It's much colder now than it was before, but she doesn't mind. She's excited. Lying there, she begins to drift. Her long blonde hair draws up a bit shorter and turns back to her sleek black hair, lying along her horns, flowing back. Now, in her leathers, she's a bit warmer as she drifts off towards sleep. Over the next few weeks, Misk falls into a sort of routine. She gets up in the morning, spends her time wandering around the city, getting to know the streets, the locations of restaurants, inns, different things. She meets lots of new people, and she begins to sort of make a home for herself. But at night, she goes back to her alley. She huddles up in the back in the darkness, covering up with that ratty blanket without a real home to call her own. Every few nights, she returns to that hidden door in that back alley. She works in this fight club, collecting gold, cleaning up after meals. Eventually, she starts delivering food to customers, working as one of the waitresses, and she makes a bit of a name for herself. But always, she operates under the same guise of that blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman. And as days go by, she still doesn't spot a single tiefling. One day... As she was wandering around the streets, getting to know the city, looking for a place to buy a good meal, she heard a strange sound coming from down the street. At first, it, it was frightening. She didn't know what it was, some sort of magic, some sort of unknowable thing. She slowly approaches. She noticed that the people around her didn't seem afraid. People were actually congregating in that direction, smiles on men and women's faces. She sees children running in that direction. Concerned, uncertain, she approaches slowly, and she sees a strange sight. There's a young man and a young woman holding something in their hands. The man is strumming his hands up and down on this wooden device with strings attached to the front, and the woman has brought a sort of a strange contraption with holes up to her mouth, blowing into it and producing a weird sound. Once the fear fades, she finds that it's a very pleasant experience. As the man plays on this strange instrument in his hands, he begins to speak along in the same tones. People are clapping along to the same beat that he speaks and he plays. Miss turns to someone in the crowd, asking, What is this? Yeah, the trees of Manumi, you know it. You didn't sing this when you were a kid? I guess not. It's a classic one. Uh, really? Yeah, their music is really good, isn't it? Music? Yeah, that music. Oh, you know, music. music. Father always told me it was gross and it could take you and transport you to a different place. And it would, you know, take over your whole body like it was bad. Music. Ugh. No, music's good. Music's... Mu mu listen. Just, just listen. Music stops. She listens. And the song makes her feel joy, excitement, peace and she falls in love with it. Her 
From then on, anytime Miss heard a song or an instrument being played, she drifted to that direction. She learned what she could just from sitting and listening, and she could while away the hours doing so. Of course, she continued to her work at the Fight Club, but she began to consider approaching the Shiv about being an announcer. She appreciated the gold that she made working as a hired hand, cleaning, collecting gold, being a waitress, but she wanted more. So she spent the days practicing her announcing. She emulated the work of the announcers at the clubs each night. She tuned her ears to what they would say, the flow and the ebb of the crowd. And she practiced to no one in her alley, just herself. She hoarded up her gold. And then one day she finally worked up the courage. And she came to the Shiv in his little office there in the fight club where he would often be found working, signing papers, counting gold. She approached the door an hour or so before the fight was supposed to start, and she gave it a little knock. Come in. Hey, Shiv. Misk, how are you? Um, can't complain. I hear everything is going well. You seem to be settling into your new job quite nicely. Oh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Actually, that's why I came up here. Is that so? Yeah, uh, you know how we talked about on that first night... You know, the announcers, and um, I, I want to be an announcer. I see. I've been thinking about it, and I really think that I could do better than that guy. Like, I, I, I've been practicing and stuff. So just, what do you think? Shiv puts the scroll he was reading back on the desk, rolling it up, and he leans back in his chair. <sighs> Misk, you know that I like you. I told you as much the night that I brought you in on our little operation, didn't I? And? What better reason? Like, you, you know, we're good friends, I think. Uh, friends, acquaintance, buddies. Misk, it's, it's just that we already have so many announcers. You, They're we, old. We, and look, Misk, it's not that I don't think that you could do a good job. Of course I believe that you could do a good job. It's just that we don't really need any new announcers. You understand. Mm. Look, you just keep doing what you're doing. And if by chance an opening comes up for a new announcer, you'll be the first to know. Wait, wait, wait. I, I can sing. You can sing. Yeah, you know, music. It's, you know, not nasty. It's good music. Music, sure. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. You know, the wooden string things. Yes, Misk. I know what music is. Are you saying that you could sing for us, play an instrument? What exactly is it that you're proposing? Oh, I could sing. I could play those little wooden things. You know, I could do it. Yeah. I could sing, like, if you wanted me to, I could sing during the shows or after the shows. Like, I could announce and be awesome at that. You know, I'd be great at it. And I could um, sing after... After. Yeah, like, you know, between the, when we're getting the fighters, you know, cleaning up the mess, and then, you know, getting the next fighters, and I can sing, and, you know. So what, you want to perform between fights like a bard? Uh, yeah. Wait, what's a bard? Bard is someone who plays instruments and sings songs. You say that you can sing and play what, like a lute, a guitar? Uh, what does that look like? I mean, yeah, yeah, I could play a lute. All right, Misk, uh, I'll make you a deal. I don't have time right now. I have some business to attend to, but let's say this time next week, meet me right here, and you can do a tryout. 
Show me what you can do. You can't do any later than that. Like couple Miss. Come on. Do you want this job or not? Yes. <sighs> okay. All right. Take a week. Meet me back here an hour before the show, and you can play and sing for me. If I like what I hear, then we'll see what we can do. Okay, um, yeah, next week. You know, an hour before the show. No yes. later than that. Yep. Because you can't do that later than... Okay, next week. All right, Misk. One week. Okay. I'll see you before the show. Good luck. Misk exits the door, terrified, because she just said that she could play an instrument that she cannot play and sing songs that she does not know. But also, excited, she has an audition. Over the next few days, Misk spends some time in her alley practicing. She sings a few words from the songs that she's heard. She practices taking her voice up and down and flowing along what she doesn't know are the scales. But she's nowhere near ready. She has no instrument and she doesn't know what to do. But she has a bit of a revelation. And so... The next morning, she gets up bright and early and she heads back to that same spot where she first heard music. And she waits, hoping that that young boy and girl that sing and play will come today. And just as she expected, around noontime, she saw them approaching with their wooden instrument and flute in hand. As they set up and they began to play and sing, Misk waited and listened, looking for her opportunity. And then finally, as an hour or so passed, they took a break, sitting down to take a drink of some water, maybe eat a bite. And Misk, stirring up her courage, approached the two of them. Hey, uh, you two, are you Mr. and Mrs. Bard? Bard? Yeah, uh, you know, people do the music thing. We are bards, but that's not our name. Oh. My name's Christopher, and this is Joan. Oh, hey. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, I've seen you around here before, I think. Yeah, I uh, I try to come over here and listen to your uh, musics and stuff like that. Well, I, I, I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, uh, I, I really like that um, wooden... Uh, that I give... My lute? Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lute. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty nice. I've had it uh, for a long time. It was actually my father's. He gave it to me. So that's a loot. Yes. Would you like to see it? Uh, sure. He hands Misk the loot. She takes it in her hands and begins to try and emulate what he does. And she has no idea what she's doing. I'm really good at this. Uh, you could, yeah, not bad. But, you know, you could use a little, a little teaching. I actually do lessons uh, occasionally. Would you be interested in taking some? Yes, um, I really, you know, could we start them like today? I have today. like a week. I mean, you know, it'd be nice if I could just start today. I feel like, you know, I'm ready for this. And Why uh, the rush? I don't know. Just because? Okay, listen, I got an audition in about a week. And I need to know how to play this lute thingy. And I want to sing that song about the Manumi trees. The trees of Manumi? Yeah, that's what's it. Okay. So you want me to teach you to play a lute mm -hmm. and sing a song together in seven days? What, you think I can't do it? 
You think I am not good enough to play oh, this no, looty? No, no it, it's a loot. It's not that. It's that it takes a lot of time. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll try. But I typically do charge, you know, for lessons. Oh, you mean gold? Yeah. Well, you know, silver. Yeah, I got, I got gold. I got all kinds of gold. Misk reaches into her pocket and pulls out a fistful of gold coins. You know, I think that we can work something out. Yeah. When do you want to start? Right now? I'm ready. Um, I don't have any plans. For that kind of gold, I'm all yours. So over the next four or five days, Misk and Christopher spend sun up to sundown learning to play the lute. And in spite of the fact that when she first held the instrument in her hands, it felt like a foreign object, she falls into it very easily. Christopher tells her that she is a natural, possibly the most innately talented person he's ever taught to play. She spends her last day practicing with Christopher, going through the song over and over and over again until finally he says, Miss, I, I've got plenty more to teach you, but regarding this song, I think that you've got it. Well, you know, it wasn't that bad. Misk, it's okay. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Christopher. Sure. I, I mean, you've been paying me handsomely. Where did you get all this gold? Oh, you know, I just, uh, I found it. You found it? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. If you don't want to tell me, I'm, I'm not going to press. But listen, you got to tell me tomorrow how your audition goes. Where is it? Can I come listen? Uh, maybe not. Uh, that's probably not a good idea. It would make you nervous. I get it. Yeah, it it would make me nervous. Yeah, that's why I don't want you to go. If you'd like, just come by tomorrow afternoon and tell us how it went. Oh, great, I will. Hopefully it goes awesome. Um, thank you again so much. No problem. Hey, break a leg. Oh my gosh, why? <laughs> it's it's an expression, Miss. Of expression? Yes. You just for... told me to break my leg. You know this means a lot to me, it's... and then... <laughs> I don't understand why. It's just a thing that bards say to other bards. Like when you're going to perform. Oh. Break a leg means do a good job. Good luck. Okay. I'm going to go break both of my legs. And I hope you break yours too. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. She heads down the alley, through the narrow door, down the steps, and into the fight club. She approaches the door to the Shiv's office. She pauses, nervous, excited. And then, just as she's about to knock, the door opens. Ah, uh, hello, Misk. I was just looking for you. Why don't you come on in? Um, hey. I guess I'm ready for my audition. Yeah, yeah, sure. Give me just one quick second, if you will. The Shiv steps inside, and he turns to two small halfling children. A young boy and a young girl, no more than 10, 11 years old. Now you two go on upstairs to your mother. Don't keep her waiting, okay? I love you both. They give him a big hug around the neck, and then they run out the door. So, uh, well, uh you ready to hear my musics? Sure, miss. Let me just grab a seat. I see you finally got yourself a lute. Oh, yeah. A lute. You know, pfft, my favorite instrument. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at it. Well, that remains to be seen, doesn't it? Okay, Misk, show me what you've got. Misk takes the instrument in her hand, remembering everything that Christopher taught her. She counts the time with her foot, and she begins to play. Gus, 
of winds or floods of rain nothing will stop their glorious refrain the roots will hold strong and true no matter what nature may do trees of monumi trees of monumi they are tall and strong trees of monumi trees of monumi they sing their graceful song but there are those who choose to stop this beautiful song with just one chop they swing their axes around and round just to see trees fall to the ground traveler beware and please remember the song that comes from trees this sweet timber for unlike we vessels who are free we must do what we can to save the tree trees of monumi trees of monumi they are tall and strong trees of monumi trees of monumi they sing their graceful song trees of monumi trees of monumi they sing their graceful song as the final notes of the strummed instrument fade the shiv stands to his feet and begins to clap misk i am impressed i'll be honest misk when you came in here a week ago and spoke about singing and playing an instrument i thought that you were probably lying <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Yes, Misk, I'm afraid I owe you an apology. I've probably heard that song a thousand times, but I've never heard it done better than that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Misk, let's start off small. Over the next few weeks, I don't want you announcing just yet. But each week, between the fights, I'll have you get up and sing a song for us. You can perform this one tonight, if you would like. And over the next few weeks, you can show us some more songs that you know. How does that sound? I can't just sing this one every time. I mean, for now, sure, you can sing this one for the next few weeks, but if you're going to be a bard, you will need to perform other songs, Misk. You do know other songs, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course I know all the songs. I'm a bard. It's what I do. So we've been paying you a gold piece per night, right? Mm, yeah. When you perform, we will give you ten gold pieces per night. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that like 
eight of these. You just let us worry about taking care of it, Misk. You're going to be making some good money. That sounds really good. Indeed. Well, if you don't mind, Misk, I do have a few things to take care of before the show tonight, so I'll see you in an hour. All right. Misk turns to the door. She pauses for just a moment with her hand there on the handle, turning back to the shiv once more before she exits, she says. Before I go, um, I just wanted to thank you. Uh, You know, I talked about us being friends, uh, and you've been... You've been a friend to me since I've been in Brightport, and I really appreciate it. Shiv gives her a slight grin. Yes, Misk, I think we are friends, and you're welcome. It's not every day that you meet someone special, and you're special, Misk. I could tell that from the first moment that we met. Well, I'm glad you think so, and I will do my absolute best for you. I know you will. Misk opens the door and heads out into the open hall. That night, Misk performed, and the crowd went wild. People clapped and cheered, and her name became one that was on every tongue. And over the few weeks that followed, she learned more songs practicing with Christopher. They became friends. She was making so much gold, she decided to start spending it. She bought some new clothes, She even stayed at an inn a couple of nights. And as time passed, her name became one that was spoken not just in the fight club, but outside, as Shiv began getting her jobs singing in taverns and inns, at parties, and soon Misk was popular, maybe even just a little bit famous. The beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Misk, the singer with the voice of a nightingale. But as her popularity grew and as Misk began to make more and more money, to make a name for herself and to build this new life in Brightport, one thing never left her mind. There were no tieflings. And all the parties she went to, all the fights she saw between dragonborn, half-orcs, men, dwarves, even some elves, she never saw a tiefling. And she hid her true face. Always she wore this disguise of herself, this beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed human. As time grew on and she became closer to the Shiv, she got to know him, his wife, Liana, his twins, Charlie and Charlotte. She spent nights at their house. She ate dinner with them regularly, and soon she almost felt like a part of the family. And the longer this went on, the more she began to feel the guilt of her deception. Months passed, and now, in spring, almost over half a year since she first stepped through that portal and left her life in the nine hells behind, the Shiv had organized a gig for her. She was singing in the house of the governor of Brightport tonight. The lord of the city was having his birthday, and they wanted her to sing. Misk wanders across the streets of Brightport, taking her time heading toward the home of her friends, Shiv and Liana. She was to meet him there. They would ride by carriage together and head toward the house of the governor. But as she went, she decided it was time. She walked up the steps to his townhouse, the nice, quaint little home here on the eastern side of Brightport. 
Entering in without a knock, she found little Charlie and Charlotte playing in the den. She gave them each a hug and then headed upstairs to the Shiv's office. She found him there at his desk, finalizing a few things, as always, looking over paperwork, counting gold, doing what he does. Hey, uh, Shiv. Oh, hello, Misk. You're a bit early, aren't you? Yeah, I just, I, I figured I'd just head on over. My, you certainly look beautiful tonight, Misk. Oh, well, thanks. Is this a new dress? Yeah, I, uh, I picked it up yesterday, I think. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Well, it is certainly going to dazzle them at the party tonight. Oh, I hope. Uh, that's something I need to talk to you about. I don't know if, well, I guess now is the right time. I, I really can't keep overlooking this. Okay. Is everything all right? Everything's fine. Uh, it's just... Misk pauses for a moment to close the door behind her. I need to come clean about something. And right. it's probably going to startle you. I don't, I don't want to ruin anything, you know, that's between us, but I feel like this is something we need to talk about. Misk stops, takes a deep breath, and changes. Her blonde hair drawing up, turning black. Her horns grow forth out the top of her skull, flowing back with her hair. But her dress stays the same. And there she stands, herself, for the first time. Her tan skin and her beautiful golden eyes revealed before the shiv. And she realizes that he is the first person in this world to see her as she truly is. The shiv stares on in silence. I know this is startling, um, but I, I really need to just come clean. He stands up. Misk, why did you keep this from me? It's something I decided to do the first night I was here, before I even met you, and... Misk, do you think that I've never seen a tiefling before? You've seen a tiefling? I mean, there's... I haven't <laughs> seen a tiefling... I haven't seen a tiefling since I've been here. Misk... The governor of our city, Brightport, Lord Sebastian Blackfire, is a tiefling. What? Yes. The One of the wealthiest and most powerful men in the world. Oh my god. I know that your race is a rare one due to your lineage and background and all of that, but don't let that stop you, Misk. Show your face. I just hadn't... I hadn't seen any, and I was afraid that it would... He steps over and places a hand on her arm. Misk, don't be afraid to show who you really are. You don't have to hide for anyone. You are beautiful, and they're going to love you. He quickly steps over to the door, opening it. Liana, Charlie, Charlotte, please come quickly. They run into the room, seeing Misk standing there, not knowing her for a moment. But then Charlotte cocks her head to the side a little bit and says, Misk? Yeah, Charlotte, it's me. Wow, Misk, look at your horns. Wow, you look awesome. Mom, can I have horns like that? And that was that. For the first time, she felt peace. They spent the hour together talking. Misk told some stories, selected stories, about her past, where she was from. And then she left with the Shiv. 
They had to be at the home of Lord Sebastian Blackfire within an hour, and he had a quick stop that he needed to make along the way. They left together by carriage. Dusk was upon them, and Misk, at peace elated to have finally shared her secret with someone, felt like she could sing better than she ever had. As they were heading toward the center of the city, toward the mansion and the home of the governor, their carriage took a turn off down a small street, one that Miss had never been down before. It was out of their way, but the Shiv assured her that just a quick stop. He had a package to deliver, an envelope payment for one of his employees. They stopped off on the side of the street. The Shiv opened the door to their carriage, crossed the street, and made his way up a few buildings tucking inside an alleyway. Misk waited in the chariot, excited, happy. She never knew that life could be like this. That was when she noticed that Shiv had forgotten the envelope. It sat there on the seat of the chariot. Quickly, she grabbed it, hopping out and running across the street, heading toward the alley that he entered. Stepping inside, he was nowhere to be found. But there was a staircase leading up alongside the building to her right. She climbed the stairs going up to the door, and just as she reached to open the door, she heard a sound that made her blood run cold. It was a scream. Nervous, afraid that maybe something was happening to the shiv, she opened the door, stepping inside, and the screams continued. But it wasn't him. It was the sound of a woman crying. Please, no. Pleading for her life. I'll have your money, I promise. Then a slap. No, I'm afraid there's no time for that now. You've had your extensions. Your time is up. Your money is no good. Misk, terrified, steps forward into the room where a door is cracked open just enough she peers inside to see a young woman, human, down on her hands and knees, the shiv standing before her, one of those daggers in his hand, the same daggers that he showed her the day they met. Now, you have to understand. We told you this was going to happen. Without the gold that you owe us, this is how you will pay your debt. With your life. No, please, you don't have to do this. Shh, that's enough now. We have to send a message. No one steals from the hot feet. Then with a swift movement, he brings the knife across her throat. Please don't. The woman falls face forward onto the ground, rolling over her hands, clutching her neck as blood poured down across her clothes and onto the floor. The shiv turns toward the door and Miss quickly tucks behind, hiding her blood pumping in her ears, terrified. What did she just see? She heard footsteps approaching and quickly she darted to the side and tucked behind a couch. As he turns to walk across to the other side of the room, she sees him holding the dagger in front of his eyes, looking at the blood, approaching a wash bin over to the other side. And he begins to dip the blade within and clean the blood. As she's about to run, to head back, to, to do something, she hears a sound. It sounds like someone crying. Turning, she sees across the room, next to the wall, 
a sort of dresser. Quietly, she steps toward the dresser, slowly opening one of the doors, and she sees inside two small children, a young girl no more than four or five years old, clutching in her arms her hand over the mouth of her little brother, couldn't be more than two, maybe three years old, tears running down their face in fear. It, it, it's going to be okay. Just stay here, okay? Where's, Don't. Where's my mommy? Um, she, she's uh, busy. Uh, just stay here. Don't leave here. Miss Kears as footsteps approach the door. Don't leave here. I'll come back for you. She quickly closes the closet and darts through the front door. Silently, but as quickly as she can, running down the steps and across the alley and back to the chariot. She climbs inside, trying to slow her heart, to still her breathing, to calm down. She couldn't let him know that she'd seen. And after just a few moments, she have climbed back into the chariot. Sorry to keep you waiting, Misk. That took just a bit longer than I thought it would. I'm sure you're ready to get to that party, aren't you? I'm ready. Is everything okay, Misk? Yeah, I was just, you know, before show jitters, I guess. There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm sure that you will knock it out of the park as you always do, Misk. Especially now that we know that you're a tiefling. Blackfire is going to love you. Uh, I hope. The chariot sets back out along the road headed toward the party. Miss can no longer think about her performance. She can't focus. She's unsure. Just moments ago, she felt more peaceful, more joyful than she ever had. And now, knowing what she knew, she had never felt more fearful. Misk sang that night for the governor, Lord Sebastian Blackfire, and just as expected, everyone loved her. Her popularity grew, as did her pocketbook. And over the next month or so, things were different. Now, with full knowledge of what exactly the Shiv's business really was, her life with them, working in the fight club, spending evenings with his family, it was contaminated. Over the next few weeks, she saw less and less of the Shiv. As always, they would invite her to dinner, but she would find reasons not to go, excuses, gigs, other jobs that he wasn't involved in, allegedly. She became more reclusive, unsure who she could trust, afraid, concerned that what if the Shiv turned on her? What if, what if she owed a debt? She had heard of these hot feet, and their reputation was a frightening one. Now the Shiv's name made all the more sense to her. She should have seen, should have known better. He was a killer. And there was no telling how deep the corruption and crooked power ran through this organization. These hot feet. This city. And as time went on, she realized that she could not keep doing this. She couldn't keep working for him, knowing what she knew. Things were no different with him than they were in the hells. It was all about power and taking it from the weak. And so she began to look for a way out. She announced fights, and she sang songs. And her popularity grew, and she became self-sustained. She didn't need his help anymore. One day, 
there at the Fight Club, preparing a song for that night, stretching her vocal cords and practicing her announcing, one of the waiters approached her. The Shiv wanted to see her in his office. While she tried to keep a straight face, she couldn't help but fear. Could he know? She entered into his office, knocking on the door she walked in. Uh, hello, Misk. Please, come in. Have a seat. Uh, what's, what's this about? Nothing much. I just wanted to check in, see how you were doing. I'm doing great. That's good to hear. You've seemed a little distant lately. Liana said that she invited you to dinner again last night, and you were indisposed. Are you sure that everything's okay? It's been weeks since the kids got to see you. That's just not like you, Misk. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to learn more songs and, uh, you know, be a better bard, you know, announcer. Ah, I understand. I've just gotten busy. Yes, that seems to be the nature of the business of bards. Speaking of business, I actually have a proposition. A new opportunity I thought I might bring to your attention. I realize that you're already backed up with shows and gigs that you've booked and that you're making plenty of money. But if you want to be truly successful, then you need to figure out a way to make money by doing nothing. Hmm. Is that what you do? As much as I can. But don't worry, I did plenty of my own hard work to get to where I am. And I still like to... Get my hands dirty every once in a while, as they say. Oh, I'm sure. But my time in the trenches is mostly finished. And, Miss, I would like to see you step up to that sort of level. Take this fight club, for example, Misk. You know my fighter, Grand. Yeah. You've seen him fight a number of times, I'm sure. And he is still reigning champion. And his success is my success as his manager. Misk, what do you think about possibly managing your own fighter here in the fight club? Sounds good. How would I do that? We like to give an opportunity to prospective fighters to come and show their skills, their strength, their prowess for those people that might be interested in taking them on as an agent. Hmm. Why don't you come this weekend, Misk, and see if you don't find someone that sticks out to you, someone you could hire as your fighter. You would schedule all their fights, set up all of the events, make sure that they're taken care of, well-fed, and well-trained, and, of course, you would take 20% of their profits. Yeah, that sounds good. I guess I'll see you then. Oh, well, uh, okay, all right. I guess, yes, that, that sounds good. You really should come by sometime soon, maybe this week, see the kids, see Liana. I know they would love to see you. And it has been a while. Um, I'll see what I can do. Uh, Christopher, you know, wanted to, you know, the bard uh, I know. Yes. He wanted to go over some songs so he could kind of sing one together. Um, but I'll see what happens. Yes, well, if not, then, Misk, I suppose I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, see you then. Saturday morning came, and Misk attended the tryouts there in the fight club. She, along with a few other potential agents, watched as the fighters came forth and showed their strength in combat, showing their skills acrobatically, athletically, 
and a number of them caught her eye. She considered a few. There was a dragonborn that was particularly huge, as well as a few humans that showed some real grit. But one in particular caught her eye, a young man, a half-orc warrior from the Drylands. He had come to Brightport seeking glory, and he was a force to be reckoned with. His name was Kjorg. As the numerous fighters took a moment for respite, Misk made her way over to the water cooler, hoping to catch a moment to speak with Kjorg herself. Six foot, seven inches tall, with charcoal black skin and a royal blue sleeveless shirt, Kjorg stood there drinking water by the gallon, covered in sweat from his workouts. He really was an impressive specimen. Hey, what's your name? Kjorg, the people's champion. Oh, really? Um, what gave you that title? You fought a lot of people? Or rescued a lot of people? Like, why are you the people's champion? I just am. Oh. You showed a lot of grit today. Uh, more than all these other guys. Yeah, everyone here is pretty weak, it seems. Yeah. Um, so. You wanna... You wanna work with me? You wanna... I don't know. Maybe be my, uh, partner? Business partner? I think that sounds better. What kind of business? You know... The business where uh, you punch the faces and I'll worry about all the rest. Okay. I mean, I can punch faces pretty well. I'm really interested in this whole people's champion thing. I'm pretty sure I'm the business partner that you're looking for. Don't you want to make a lot of money? Eh, money's okay, I guess. But I just want to fight the best fighters. All these people here are garbage. I could take them all on at once. Really? Easy. So if you're saying you can get me some good fights, that would be great. I'm not talking good fights. I'm talking like the best fights. Listen, people know my name around here. And when they find out that Misk has the people's champion, there'll be people coming from all around trying to fight my fighter. The people's champion. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like this is going to work out just fine. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You being the people's champion, I feel like the whole world, Manumi needs to know who Kjord, the people's champion, really is. We could have fights all across the lands. People will know your name everywhere. I mean, that's what I'm looking for because... I don't want to just stick around here because all the great fighters aren't just here. I want to just want to be the greatest fighter in... Where are we? Big city? Oh, we're in Brightport. But don't get used to it because we're not going to be here long. Yeah. Just enough so you can fight the quote-unquote best people here. And then we'll hit the road and make a lot of money. This sounds amazing. Misk and the People's Champion. Kind of has a ring to it. <laughs> The people's champion! And Misk kept true to her word. From the very first time that she scheduled a fight for Kjorg, she pushed for the best fighter that they could get for him. The night of his first fight, many people came who knew Misk, knew her as the singer, the bard, the announcer. They were all curious, excited to see how this new fighter that she had hired would do. Could he live up to the hype? Would he win his first fight, even against an opponent that already had a number of wins under his belt? 
Of course, all the doubts faded the moment that Kjorg stepped into the ring. He fought with a fire and a passion like no other. The fight hadn't lasted half a minute before his opponent was knocked out on the mat. It was a record. And Misk knew immediately that she had chosen the right fighter for her future. Over the next few months, Kjorg rose through the ranks of the fight club like no one before him. He went through one match after another after another, winning and seeming to have no true opposition. Sure, he took a hit here and there, but no one was able to stand toe-to-toe with this towering half-work. And the more he won, the more money that Misk made, the more she began to think that he just might be her ticket out of here. The Shiv was right. This was her opportunity to make a name for herself, to make some real gold. In fact, she began to see this as her opportunity to get out of here, to get out from under the influence of the Shiv, of this organization, these people, to get away from the hot feet. But as in all things, it would take time. She began putting money back, saving up for something, looking forward, and Kjorg just kept winning and winning Match after match, fight after fight, and before you knew it, she wasn't just Misk the singer, Misk the musician, Misk the bard, but it was Misk and Kjorg, the people's champion. And thus, it was no time at all before people began to ask that question that is asked of every new fighter that climbs the ranks. When is he going to fight the champ? When is he going to go to the top? And at the top sat one fighter who'd never lost a match. Grand, the towering Goliath warrior who pummeled every opponent that came his way. And who would be his agent other than the Shiv himself? One afternoon as Misk was at the fight club, going over a new song that she'd written, the Shiv called her to his office. She came in as she'd done so many times before, But now, with her working with Kjorg, she had even more of an excuse to avoid him, to stay away from his work, and to distance herself from his family. And so when she came in, things felt so much different than they had just three months prior. Misk, Misk, come on in. Uh, they they said you wanted me to come visit you for a minute? Yes, yes, I wanted to talk with you just for a second. So that Kjorg of yours, he's really climbing through the ranks, isn't he? Of course, he's mine. He's my champion. Well, it's like I told you, it's big money, isn't it? Yep. The most money to be made in this business is by doing the least work. Isn't that what I said? You did. Well, now has come time for you to do even less work, Misk, and make even more money. How's that? So you know Grant. Yeah, everybody knows Grand. Yes, everyone who's ever been here knows Grand. He's, well, he's a presence, isn't he? Never lost a fight, not a single fight, not one match. And wouldn't you know it, everyone's chanting Kjorg's name. He's a bit of a, um, a fan favorite, if you will. He draws the marquee. He's got some of the best attendance we've seen in ages, Misk. And you know what that means? What's it mean? 
It's time for Grand and Kjorg to meet in the ring. Well, are you, sh- are you sure about that? I mean... Think about it. Let's not wait until Kjorg overstays his welcome. Let's ride this high. We'll bring him in. We'll set up a match between he and Grand. Everyone always bets on Grand, but with a fan favorite like Kjorg, what a name, the people's champion. Did you come up with that, Misk? Nope. It's a particularly brilliant piece of marketing, if I may say so myself. I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah, I mean... Let's put them in there. Let's let them fight. People will come in, they'll bet on Kjork, the underdog. People love an underdog. Okay, what are you getting at? They'll bet on the underdog, and the house will win. You want me to throw the fight? Misk, come on. This is a business. And sometimes when it comes to business, you have to do what's best for the gold. People will forget that Kjorg ever lost this fight in no time. I mean, let's be real. He would probably lose anyhow. Grand is a monster. He's never lost a match. Well, now I see why. (laughs) No, surely you don't believe that. Look at him. I'm not saying he wouldn't win. I'm saying he has to. So what if I don't care about the money? I have enough right now. (laughs) What if I don't want to throw the fight? (laughs) The Shiv stands and walks around his desk, stepping toward Misk, who had still not taken a seat. He places a hand just over hers. Misk, I don't think you understand. I'm not asking you to have Kjorg throw this fight. I'm not asking you if you want to make money. I'm not asking you if you care to do me a favor. I'm not asking you anything, Misk. I'm telling you. Kjorg is going to lose this fight. You're going to take your fighter... You're going to sit him down just like we've all had to do at one point in our lengthy careers and tell him to throw this fight. Stay down. It's just one fight. And what if I don't, Shiv? He takes his hand off of Misk's and looks up at her with a little bit of a curious but surprised look. Misk, I don't have to tell you that the hot feet are willing to get their hands a little dirty to make sure that the job is done. So, as your friend, Misk, I mean, let's be honest. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have anything that you have. You were nothing. You were no one when I found you. I welcomed you into my home, Misk. And since you met this Kjorg, and since you have gained in popularity and started making a little gold, you no longer have time for all of that, for my wife, for my children. And so maybe we're not close anymore, Misk. Maybe we're not friends anymore. And if that's the way that you want to play it, fine. So let me tell it to you like I would anyone else. He puts his hand on her forearm and gives a little squeeze. If you don't throw this fight... You'll live the rest of your life regretting it, as long or short as that may be. Do you understand? 
I guess we'll just see each other at the fight. I guess we will. Are we done here? Come, Misk. Look, I, I'm sorry if I seem uncaring. My job is not an easy one. I do care about you, Misk. So make the right choice. Just call the fight, and we'll both get filthy rich. That's what you want, isn't it? Gold? Power? Misk reflexively pulls her arm back away from his, backing up toward the door. I guess I'll just see you at the fight. It'll be fine. We're fine. I guess I'll just uh, see you then, Misk. Have a good evening. You too. Misk didn't perform that night. Her band played, but she didn't sing. She didn't have the stomach for it. She left the fight club early that night, crossing town, thinking she would head to her little flat on the east side of Brightport, but instead she walked a path she had traveled many times before. She found her way north until she could smell the sweet scent of the Sweet Roll Bakery. And then she turned down that dark alley off of Cedar Street. She found a corner in the back. Sitting down there in the dark, she thought back on the path that brought her to this point, wondering what she was going to do now. She didn't think she could look Kjorg in his eyes and tell him that he had to throw a fight. She didn't think she could even convince him to do so in the first place. But sitting there in the dark with night engulfing her, thinking back on all of her time before she came here to this plane. She couldn't help but remember the fear in the eyes of those two children after the Shiv killed their mother in cold blood. She had no doubt, if it came down to it, if she refused to throw this fight, if she denied his instructions, then he would not hesitate to do the same to her. The next day, the news broke out. Kjorg and Grand would fight. It was a marquee match. And in spite of the fact that the fight club wasn't exactly on the up and up, everyone in Brightport knew about it, and everyone was talking about it. There was an electricity in the air at the fight club. Everyone was anxious to see what would happen could Kjorg, the people's champion, this green new fighter, come in and defeat the undefeated Grand? Or would he, like so many before him, fall to the same fate? As the weekend approached, Misk turmoiled over what to do. More than once she thought to go to Kjorg, to just tell him the truth. She considered running, just leaving the whole thing behind. But she knew Kjorg would never go, and she couldn't leave him to these animals. And so she went that night, and the house was packed. She'd never seen more people come out for a fight. No doubt in her mind, there had to be more gold lying on this fight than any she'd seen since her first day in Brightport. And as the hour drew closer that Kjorg would fight Grand, the fear rose in her gut threatening to choke her. There was no more time. 
No more time to discuss it. No more time to plan, to think of some way of escape, some something. She made her way through the pressing crowd. The smell of sweat and alcohol filled the air. She found Kjorg in the small little locker room, the same place he always went before a fight. Inside, he wasn't punching or doing push-ups. He was seated on a stool, his eyes closed, breathing in and breathing out, preparing himself for the greatest challenge that he had ever faced. Hey, Kjorg, uh, you ready? Of course. What kind of question is that? It was kind of a rhetorical question because, you know, I know you're the people's champion and you're always ready. We've went through this a million times, but this is a big, big deal. This fight, it it means a, means a lot. I mean, how are you feeling? I feel pretty good, but I feel like this is probably the last milestone for this city. Why you say that? Then I'll be Bratport's champion. Well... Grand is, uh, I mean, he has earned that champion position. Not saying you can't beat him. I'm saying he's earned it, and his agents, they're the best. So, <clears throat> I'm just, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I could take him. It doesn't matter how big he is. Misk crosses the room, stops just in front of him, places a hand on his shoulder with her head bowed, uncertain, but... Surrendered to what she has to do. Listen, Kjorg, there's something I need to talk to you about. What's up? I mean, it's just about this fight. Oh, what about it? Uh, there's some people here that don't really want you to win. Well, of course. I mean, that's not me. I I want you to win, but Grand is one of the best. Definitely the champion at this fight club. What if you can't? What if you can't beat him? Mm, now that'll never happen. Kjorg, I... There's no question whether I'm going to beat him or not. I don't see what all this is about. Look, it doesn't matter if he's bigger or who wants him to win or if he wants... Maybe he does want to win. Of course he does. But nobody wants to win as much as I do. And it's all about heart. Who has the most heart is the one who wins. You know what, Kjorg? You go out there and you, you show them, show all these people who their champion is. Kjorg stands to his feet and walks toward the door, ready to face his most difficult opponent yet. And as his hand touches the handle, Misk calls out. Hey, Kjorg. Hmm. Break a leg. Break a leg? I'll explain it later. Kjorg steps through the door to explosive applause. People are chanting his name, beating onto the floor, and this room is electric. He makes his way across the floor to the ring, and inside stands Grand, a seven-foot-tall, charcoal-skinned Goliath, bald with his muscles bulging, an excited look in his eye, and a smirk on his face to go with it. From the first punch, it was clear this was going to be a real fight. These two men were relentless. Punch after punch, they tore into one another. It wasn't long at all before blood was splashing onto the floor of the ring. 
Misk had never seen anything more brutal. It reached a point where she was concerned. It reached a point where she was no longer concerned that Cure couldn't win this fight. She was afraid he might not even escape with his life. But Cure was not to be denied. Grand was bigger, and he was stronger. But Cure was right. It was heart that would determine this match. For even as Kjord took blow after blow, he just wouldn't stop. And as time wore on, Grand got weaker. He got slower. He got more tired. And soon Kjord dealt him a beating that he had never endured. And before long, with a resounding thud, the champ fell face first onto the mat. Kjord had won. The crowd exploded. They were cheering his name. He raised a bloody fist into the air. The band started playing and the crowd moved like the waves of the ocean. Misk breathed a sigh of relief. Kjord was okay. He won. He was the champion. But then she saw him. Across the arena, looking right at her was the Shiv. His face, a mixture of confusion and disbelief. He lowered his face, closed his eyes, and then raised his hand. And two men on either side, following his signal, melted into the crowd. That was when Misk knew Kjorg's victory would be short-lived. This would cost her and possibly even him, their lives. In a panic, she made her way through the crowd, pressing toward Kjord. She had to reach him. They had to do something. They had to get out. There was time, there was still time, just a window. If she could just get them out of the fight club, get them out of Brightport, then, then maybe they could run. Escape the hot feet, escape all this, take the money, build a new life, take the show on the road. That was it. It was time for the rest of Manumi to meet the people's champion. She pressed toward Kjord, pushing through the crowd, shoving her way through the throng. Kjord, I... You did it. You beat him. I told you. I don't know why you were doubting. I, I wasn't... Okay, maybe a little, but you really are the people's champion. I know. He was a big dude, though. Yeah, he was. The fight was phenomenal. Like, it's probably going to be talked about for years to come. I'm sure we'll find some tougher opponents somewhere else, though. Speaking of that, listen, uh, we need to go. Now. Now? Yes, like, pronto. I mean, we got a ship, and we've got fights lined up. I talked to some people. We just need to go, okay? I can tell you on the way. Let's get out of here. Uh, we can't, like, stay and enjoy the victory for one day? Well, it's a pretty tough fight. It... Listen, you need your rest, and these guys just... Listen, man, we gotta go. You know, we'll celebrate tomorrow, okay? We'll have a big celebration, maybe even a fight. That was the plan anyway. I mean, we, we can't we do that here? This is your chance to show the world. Remember what we talked about? We have to show the world. That means we mm -hmm. gotta leave now. You, you ready? You got uh, your stuff? Uh, um, uh, uh, it's in the locker room. Okay, let's go. Lead the way. Oh, okay. Misk began pushing through the crowd again, trying to make her way toward the door. 
And as she rose out of the ring, she noticed a number of halflings moving along the walls, closing in on her from every direction. She knew she only had one chance to make it out of here. She needed something, some sort of distraction, something to take their eyes off of her for just a moment so she could escape. But they were closing in quick. She saw not one, but two, even three of the halflings moving toward her location, their hands on their sword hilts threateningly. As she paused for a moment there, just a few feet from Kjorg's door, unsure of what to do, afraid, surrounded by her enemy, she remembered. She wasn't Misk, the announcer. She wasn't Misk, the bard. She was Misk Isoda, princess of the Nine Hells. She had raged war for centuries. She had won battle upon battle for millennia. She had slaughtered hundreds under the banner of her father, and she would not be taken captive by a few little halflings. As they moved in on her location, she looked up onto the walls and saw every torch lining this place. With a smile, she looked her would-be captors in the eye, and she said, <laughs> let it burn. Every torch, every candle, every lamp burning within these halls suddenly burned with a deep purple fire. The fire began to spill over the sides and leak upward on the walls toward the ceilings. Tablecloths lit aflame, and soon the cheers and laughter of this room turned to the screams of fear and panic as all of the patrons began running as fast as they could toward the exit. It was a stampede. Smoke filled the arena. People were screaming and running, and in that chaos, Misk, with a grin, slipped into the room where Kjorg was waiting, and she locked the door behind her. Exiting through the back way from the locker room, Kjorg and Misk made their escape from the now burning fight club. The quiet streets of the city were now flooded with people running, screaming, trying to escape. And in the chaos of these flooded streets, Misk and Kjorg made their way quietly through the city of Brightport, heading toward the docks, toward something new. And as they made their silent escape, far behind, just outside on the opposite street, watching as people run by in the chaos, the Shiv looked on. And as the flames grew higher, so burned his fury. Run all you want, Misk. There's nowhere you can hide that I can't find you. I always settle my debts. This has been Make Believe Heroes, the origin of Misk Iso Da. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this special look into the backstory and history of our favorite tiefling bard, Misk. And if you'd like to ask Felicia a question, maybe about this story or about anything that's going on so far in season two, 
Send us an email to letters at makebelieveheroes.com or message us on Twitter at MBH Podcast or Facebook at facebook.com slash MBH Podcast. And we're going to be doing a behind the player episode soon with Felicia. So this is your opportunity to ask her any questions you want about Misk, about her as a player, or anything you can think of. So get those to us within the next week or so, and we'll get to your questions when we record that episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.